proceed, and I have the distinct pleasure of introducing uh, our speaker today. So Ryan Hall is the husband of Karen and the father of Lily and Ethan. Uh, they are missionaries from Southern California with a heart for mission in the UK and France. And when Tony, Gary, and others met with him the first time, they were immediately drawn to his heart for worshiping and praising God. He leads the Franklin Prayer House, which meets in our teen room on Monday through Thursday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and uh, a.m. and p.m., except for Wednesday night because the kids are in there, right? Um, but we're so glad to have Ryan speak to us today. And Ryan, welcome to the stage. Good morning. Thank you all so much for having me this morning. Um, we're originally from Southern California, but I feel like after five years, I can officially say y'all. And it's a part of me now. I'm trying to tell all my friends in Southern California how useful this word is. They'll get it, but. That last song, right? <laughs> I was like, whoa, what a setup. <laughs> we love the secret place. I'm gonna pray for us this morning. Lord, we just thank you for time to be together. We thank you for your body, for your church in the earth, how you've chosen to reveal yourself to the, to the earth today through your church. I bless this house, God. Bless the history of this house, Jesus. The calling on this house the place that you've set it for a purpose. Would you come and have your way? Would you come and have your way? Amen. Amen, friends. Well, it's so good to be here with you. Uh, my wife and I always talk about this. We are missionaries, and we are a missionary to your city, amen? <laughs> Could you believe it? Franklin, Tennessee has missionaries in it. We believe so much in the calling of God on your city that we moved our whole family to be here. And you're like, we're good, you guys. <laughs> we got churches everywhere. Well, you know what? We believe God has a special calling on Franklin, Tennessee. I think you could see it throughout history, and that's why we're here. Sometimes it takes someone from the outside to come in and say, do you know how special this place is? Right? We can walk through Main Street every day and not notice the specialness of Franklin, Tennessee. You know, everyone loves Nashville, and Nashville's great, but do you know how integral Franklin is to Nashville's destiny? Historically, the amount of prayer and worship that's gone on in this city that's affected Nashville, Tennessee. As someone coming from outside, I just wanna let you know this is a special place. And so we're honored to be here with you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself because some of you are like, who is this man? I am a husband of Karen and my little kiddos are in the back. They can wave if they want. Yeah, that's good. They're doing good stuff. Nine and seven, they are amazing. So a little bit about myself. I got saved in 1999. There's going to be some math going on and you will rapidly know how old I am. And that's okay. But in 1999, I was 21 years old, met the Lord, actually in France. Um, I loved all of the acapella music we were doing this morning. I am a choir nerd. I love choir music so much. 
And so I actually was on a choral tour in France. We were singing at a big cathedral. I was not a believer at the time. I was hanging out with a bunch of people who also were not believers at the time, doing things that not believers do. Amen? <laughs> Someone said, that's kind of a weird amen to do, but that's okay. I said it. I'm the one that started it. Um, but all of a sudden, in the middle of this singing, this choral piece, in the middle of a huge cathedral in France, the presence of God fell on me, and I fell over. And I have no grid for this. I fell over in the middle of our choir of 40 people, and all of my friends are just looking at me on the ground. <laughs> I'm laying down, crying, and just saying, God is big. God is big. That's all I could say over and over again. And I had an encounter with the presence of God that was not... You know, it wasn't after a sermon, it wasn't during a worship service, it was in the middle of this beautiful place, singing beautiful music, and I encountered the heart of God. And I was wrecked, and I've been wrecked since. So put that together, 99, what is that, 22 years. I've never looked back, I've always been excited about the presence of God. Came home, found out that there was this thing called sung worship in churches, I didn't know what that was, had no grid for it came into a Sunday service, people are singing to the Lord, and all of a sudden that same presence that hit me in France is existing in this church, in a local community, and I was like, I, I have to be in this as much as possible. Anyone? I couldn't get enough of it. Still, this is 1999, I'm a baby believer, I go to Bible college that year. I mean, some of you that grow up in church and have Bible studies and all of those things, you, you won't know this, but I'm in Bible college and they're like, turn with me to Ephesians. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, look at my table of contents, find Ephesians, right? You all remember this story of Noah and I'm like, no, you know, you're going to write a paper on this, I have no grit. I'm just coming into this thing so in love with God. The only thing I've been told is if you love him, go to school and learn more about, more about him. So I end up in Bible college. And then one of these crazy things that they were teaching at this specific Bible college was this thing called the Tabernacle of David. So in 1999 in a Bible college, I get introduced to this idea of day and night worship in 1999. And I'm like, Tabernacle of David? You mean they did this all the time? And I, I okay, sorry. I do have notes. You're like, is this guy going to just talk? But I, I, I found out about the Tabernacle of David. Just go home today if you can. Check this out. Um, you can look it up in 1 Chronicles 16. I'm going to share a little bit of that. 1 Chronicles 25. There's lots of stories of this. Check out what David did. 1 Chronicles 16. I'm so sorry. This isn't going to be up there. I apologize, people who put my scriptures in. Fresh off the press. And they brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> a portion of meat and a cake. Isn't that great? Wouldn't that be great to come into a church service and leave with bread, meat, and a cake? That's pretty sweet. Sorry, I love the Bible. Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and second to him were a bunch of names. We don't have to do that. Um, who played harps and lyres. Asaph was 
to sound the cymbals, and Benaniah, there's a bunch of names in here. That's not important, but go back and read them. The priests were to blow trumpets regularly before the ark and the covenant of God. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. Just a little context, and we're not going to, this isn't going to be a big teaching on Tabernacle of David, but go check it out. Before this time, the way that it was structured was the Ark of the Covenant was in the Tabernacle of Moses behind a big old veil. And one person, the, the high priest, could go in once a year. And all of a sudden, in one moment, David takes that same Ark. It doesn't say anywhere that David got a word or that anyone had ever done this before. He goes and puts the Ark in the tent in the center of the town and puts a whole bunch of people around it to start singing. Right? If you go just a little before this, they tried to move the ark, and they didn't do, the, do it in the prescribed way, and someone died. <laughs> so not everyone was like, yes, I want to do that. Right? Not all the priests were like, sweet, this is going to be so awesome. They were like, do you know what just happened to Uriah? Do you know, I mean, not Uriah, Uzzah. Do you know what just happened to Uzzah? He died. So all of a sudden, in the, in the middle of the Old Testament... We see a king who had a radical revelation about the value of the presence of God. And how much more in this New Testament with the indwelling Holy Spirit should we have a revelation of the value of the presence? Amen? Amen. So that's where if you ever hear people talking about the Tabernacle of David, go check it out. It's good stuff. It's exciting. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's exciting if you... You can come back to me and let me know. So anyway, I'm, I'm in Bible college. I just want to serve the Lord with everything. Amen? I just got radically touched. I've been encountering the presence of God. I want to give him everything. So the only thing that was proposed to me was come on staff at a church. So then I was like, okay, I need to come on staff at a church. Let me get plugged into the church I'm at. I had some job opportunities to go work at a church. And that started a 10-year stint of working corporate America. Amen? Anyone work in corporate? You can raise your hand, don't be ashamed. And I just used every bit of vacation time for ministry trips. If I was on vacation, had two weeks off, I'd be in Mexico. As soon as I checked out of my job, I'd be worshiping somewhere. I just wanted to give him everything. Amen? And I really believe that was the design of the Lord. So for 10 years, feeling like you're called to full-time ministry and working corporate America is a very different thing than you expected, right? Anyone? Does that sound? And I found that after these 10 years, what was growing in me was a desire to serve the Lord in a way that I hadn't seen before or that I hadn't seen modeled to me. How could I serve the Lord with everything that I am and still work just a regular job, right? And before that season changed, my wife and I ended up in a small house of prayer in Pasadena, California called Pie Hop. And her and I would do Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. We'd be wearing our business casual, our khakis and our button downs. Well, that was for me. Karen didn't wear khakis and button downs. But. And minister to the Lord to an empty room. Just worshiping Jesus. The occasional homeless person coming in. <laughs> and we rediscovered again 10 years later the value of the presence of God. So we go in every morning. I have such a heart for those who are involved in the marketplace and business. I have such a heart to build something for you to come as much as you can and give yourself to the Lord before you go into your day. Amen? So did that for 10 years. 
Ended up at Pi Hop in 2012. Y'all, uh, oh shoot, you know what I didn't do? I didn't set my timer. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, good. Someone said it's fine, but I still set my timer. You'll appreciate it when it gets to like 11:30, and you're like, "Does this guy know that we have class?" <laughs> I set my timer. We're okay. There's so much to say. I wish I had a whole afternoon with y'all. I had a lovely dinner with Tony and Melinda and some others that were there with us. And we talked for like over, I mean, an hour and a half, almost two hours. And we could just not get enough talking to each other. So I'm trying my best to give you as much as I can in a short amount of time. So if you, if you want to hang out, come see me. We'll talk. But I started, we started at Pi Hop in 2012, the year my daughter was born. So um, ended up at the house of prayer just in the season of craziness. Uh, it took us a little while to have our kiddos, and it was uh, quite a journey. And to end up in the house of prayer and to discover the presence of Jesus again in a season that was difficult was so sweet to us. But ended up in Pi Hop in 2012, and then four, year, four years later felt the call to move to Franklin, Tennessee, which is here we are today. So amen. There it is. <laughs> I did it. We're here. <laughs> so which I, all of our families still in Southern California, I was born in a small town just outside of LA and my dad was born before me and his dad before him. It's kind of a rare story in Los Angeles, California to have a three generation thing go on. So for us to be out here is kind of a big deal. So we left a lot to come here and believing that the Lord has something for us here. Amen. So we are missionaries. We came into the story of Franklin Prayer House. My wife and I did not start the Franklin Prayer House. Um, some of you may know this. Some of you may not know this. But the Franklin Prayer House actually started at the Moran House, which is just, you go out those doors to the left. Um, so in 2012, which happens to be the same year I started at Pi Hop, right? We can't plan those things out. It's just kind of nice. Same year the Franklin Prayer House began with a night of worship. Um, at the Moran House in 2012. And so that we came in here in 2016 to build the prayer room, which is going on to this day. You guys okay? Amen. So from 2012 to 2016, you got Steve Garrett, which is one of our dear friends. He's up in Pennsylvania now. Robin Smith, who is part of your community. Bob Perry, who's like a general of prayer in this area. David Baroni, general of worship in this area, started this organization to gather the churches of Franklin, Tennessee together under the common goal of seeking the presence of Jesus. Isn't this amazing? Do you know when the Lord looks at Franklin, Tennessee, he's, he doesn't see all the different churches you know, when he looks at Franklin, he's not like, I love Fourth Ave, and I love the gate, and I love, you know, he's just like, look at my bride. Look at the church. Isn't she radiant? Isn't she glorious? So Franklin Prayer House was started as an organization that gathered the church of the city of Franklin together for one purpose, to worship Jesus. Amen? No unifier greater, right? If I said, do you love Jesus? And you're like, yes. You ask me, do I love Jesus? Yes. Isn't that great? We can agree on that. <laughs> There's lots of things we don't agree on, but it's wonderful to agree on Jesus. Amen? I always stick to the things that we can agree on. I just find it works out better that way. <laughs> so starting in 2016, we came as missionaries. We came to Steve Garrett and said, sir, 
we're missionaries. We want to partner with what already exists in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, could we build a prayer room under the Franklin Prayer House? And w in a month after we had this conversation, we opened up Tuesday and Thursday morning, 6 a.m., just like Karen and I started back in 2010, 2011 when we first started at Pi Hop, which is the whole heart to, like, build a place for the people of God to come and experience Jesus. Amen? So we started that five years ago. And then in 2020, we were able to find a building in downtown Franklin, Tennessee, which was a great year to get a building. 2020, right? That was just fantastic. Like, how can we get more people to come to prayer? Oh, we got a building. Oh, it's shut down. <laughs> but the Lord was wise, right? We started 2020 with 23 hours. And you'll never hear me after this moment talk about hours because I'm not that, it's not that big of a deal to me. But we started in 2020 with 23 hours. We ended 2020 when our lease was up with 46 hours of live worship and prayer happening in the city of Franklin. Amen? And our primary target, our primary target of prayer and worship is that the church of the city of Franklin would be vibrant. That the church of the city of Franklin would be radiant. That the church of the city of Franklin would be beautiful, powerful. Amen? Those are pretty good prayer points, right? You know? We can pray for the lost a lot. But if the church is not vibrant, what is the lost coming into? Right? If the church isn't healthy, and we're bringing people who don't know the Lord into unhealthy systems, right? So we're giving ourselves into praying for the health of the church. Anyone in here part of the Church of Franklin? Oh, amen. <laughs> A couple of you. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> amen. One of the, one of the historic um, parts of Franklin, Tennessee, I'm sure you all are aware of, is Ian Bounds. So I'm a prayer guy. <laughs> and when I found out that Franklin, Tennessee had Ian Bounds in it, I was like the most excited kid ever. Like I had already been reading Ian Bounds before I came here. And then I was part of a national day of prayer over at the historic sanctuary. And I was like right next to the pulpit. And not that it's like spooky or anything, but it's just like history. Right? Late 1800s, a man with the power of God shows up to Franklin, Tennessee, and transformation comes to a city. And we get to come back and say, remember? When we pray, we pray, city of Franklin, remember. Amen? I love God. We like to look into the future a lot as human beings, and God really loves to revisit the past. You know how many times he tells him, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says this forever, right? He is the God of Ian Bounds. And as long as we're in Franklin, he's going to remind us of this story. Isn't that beautiful that we get to be a part of this? Tuesday night prayer, that's our, our night to pray for the church. We had no idea that that was actually Ian Bounds' night to pray for the church at, until after we'd been doing it for a couple years. <laughs> Isn't that fun to stumble upon the things of God? Amen. Prayer on the square. There's so many different agencies in this area that are focused on prayer and worship in the city of Franklin. History of revival, the historic revival in the late 1800s and 1895. Ian Bounds praying for the heaviness to lift off Franklin. Right? 
Do you know how incredible it is for our city to be doing what our city is doing after what happened inside her city in the 1800s? Isn't that glorious? That a man of God would recognize what was happening and pray and see a shift, and we are experiencing that. We're walking in that today. Amen? I love that. I love how long God takes. We sang, we sang this song this morning. It's one of my favorite songs. All my life you have been faithful. Right? You know the older you get, that means something more. <laughs> right? If my seven-year-old son, Ethan, saying, all my life you have been faithful. Right? I mean, yeah, that's true. But when you're 43 years old, that means a little something different. And when you're in your 60s, that means something different. There's something beautiful about the passing of time with God. Abraham received a 500-year promise, right? And I believe we're still walking today in the fruit of what Ian Bounds did over 100 years ago. Amen. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Story of the house of prayer. Why house of prayer, right? Is anyone asking that? <laughs> I ask it sometimes. Why do, why do we do the house of prayer? There's many reasons why people do the house of prayer. I'm letting you know for Franklin Prayer House, our main reasons are intimacy with Jesus, right? You know it takes time to know someone? Did anyone meet a best friend and then like instantly know everything about the best friend? Right? Like when I met Karen, she's beautiful and I wanted to know her, but I didn't know everything about her. You know God is the same way. You know he's a relational God. And the way you get to know him is to spend time with him. Amen? This is one of my favorite things to say, so I'm going to say it to you. <laughs> if I came to you, Fourth Ave Church of Christ, and said, you guys, I am the greatest husband. And then you would say, tell us, Ryan, about how you were the greatest husband. And, I, and I'd say, well, check this out. Check out how great a husband I am. Once a week... I go to a house that's not my home, and I hear a stranger tell me about my wife. And you're like, Ryan, that doesn't sound, I hope there's more to this. Wait, no, you guys. <laughs> it's, it's even better than this. I go twice a week. So I go on a Sunday to a house that's not my own house, hear a stranger tell me about my wife. I also go on Wednesday nights to a house that's not my house, and I hear a stranger tell me about my wife. And you would say, Ryan... You need to go to counseling, and that is not, you are not being a good husband. But I'm here to tell you today that that is what many of us call intimacy with Jesus. I go to a house that's not my house, hear from a man who is not a close person to me, tell me about somebody. And we say this is intimacy. Or then we'll say, no, we're really committed, we go twice a week. Or I host a home group. All of those things are great. But I just want to propose to you today that the Lord wants you every day. And this isn't, a, this, this isn't an invitation to come to the prayer room. That's not what this is about. This is about us having a new revelation of what it means to become his. Because every day belongs to him. Right? Not just two days a week. Not just three hours a week. Amen? So intimacy with Jesus, this is one of our favorite things. Facilitate a space where the people of God, the church of Franklin, can come in and practice being with him. And listening to him and getting to know him through his word. Oh my gosh, we love the word of God. 
right? Our primary way of hearing him is this. You cannot know him apart from this. Amen? Sorry, I almost started preaching. <laughs> the other desire we have is unity for the Church of Franklin. We want a neutral spot where people from the church, all churches can come in and not feel like, whoa, is this something that, wait, is this some? You guys know this, that sometimes when people walk into a building that's another church building, they're kind of, well, I don't know about that. That might be something they're doing. We're trying to create a neutral spot where the church can come in and be like, this is ours. This is a place of the presence of God. I want to meet with the Lord here. Amen. Isn't that exciting? Why the house of prayer? Because he's worthy. Amen. Do you know what really freaks people out? When you spend a lot of time with God, why are you doing that? Why do you spend, we get this all the time. Why are you doing 10, 12, 14 church services a week? Like we get this a lot. And we're like, because uh, he's worthy. He's worthy of our affection. He's worthy of our time. Amen. And I always think of the presence of God like radiation therapy. Right? All of us, if we're honest, could admit that there's things in our body that are not functioning correctly. And there's something about just being with him that changes us. Amen. <laughs> we are not the first ones. I just want to let you know. There's such like a weird thing in humans that like we want to be the first people to ever do something. That's like our favorite thing to say. Right? Like we're the first people to ever do this, you know. If I come to you and be like, we're the first people ever to do this, to do a prayer room. Well, guess what? We're not. Isn't that great? It's fantastic. So I already told you about one, the Tabernacle of David, right? And that lasted throughout his whole time. And as soon as he set that up, that lasted the remainder of his kingdom. Day and night worship. Singing around the ark. Crazy, right? A large portion of the book of the Psalms comes out of that place. Just so you know, isn't that fun? Also, the Bangor Revival in Ireland. This happened in 555, which is nice to say, 555. This happened in 555 AD, and one of the leaders of this abbey gathered 3,000 monks to sing day and night. And according to history, it lasted 300 years. <laughs> 300 years of day and night worship, are you kidding me? We're excited about five. We're like, sweet, 300 years. Could you imagine having a vision that lasted 300 years? The Moravians in 1727, they're accredited with the modern missions movement. The Moravians had a prayer meeting that started in 1727 and lasted over 100 years. Could you imagine? We are now about to start the prayer meeting that will last the next 100 years. Everyone's like, oh, I got to go get lunch. <laughs> Right? I mean, they didn't know it when it happened. They, didn't, they were like sitting together and they're like, okay, guys, so who's got this? In 50 years, I won't be here. <laughs> Only God can sustain things that last 100 years, 300 years, 2,000 years. Right? Isn't that great? We're walking into something. So those people in 555, those people in 1727 saw something irresistible about the presence of God and you could not take them away from it. We want that in our day in Franklin, Tennessee. 
a people of God so a people of God so filled with the revelation of Jesus that you cannot pry us away from him. Amen. <laughs> oh, he's worthy. I took a picture of um, the, one of the songs you were singing today. I'm a worship leader, so maybe I should have known this song already, but I didn't never know that last song. And I was like, what is this? What is going on? <laughs> Underground is where life begins. My heart will rejoice in the hiddenness. Beyond the burial, there's a resurrection. Your will be done in me. Underground is where life begins. My heart will rejoice in the hiddenness. Amen? There's something beautiful, church, about being at the beginning of something. When it's hidden, when no one knows about it. And there's something beautiful when the Lord inhabits that place. And we're just excited to be with y'all. Woo! Isaiah 54, this is a very, uh, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but Isaiah 54, 7, it says this. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. The burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Amen? We practiced this this morning. We prayed for the church of Afghanistan. Isn't that beautiful? There is tragedy happening in the nation of Afghanistan, and the people of God in Franklin, Tennessee, take time out of our lives to see what's going on there and pray and ask for mercy. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. I'm looking at my time. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I know who that is. <laughs> All right, you guys. We're going to go into just one observation. Maybe sometime we'll hang out again, and I would love to share two other observations, but I have one for you. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Mary of Bethany. There's a very obvious one, and we're going to go after that one this morning. But there's two other moments where she shows up in the, in the, in the life of Jesus, in the story of Jesus. Um, and typically I'd love to share those other ones with you, but I'm going to share one with you today. You guys all right? And then this other, this other scripture. Psalm 27.4. This is, you guys might know this one. It's probably very popular. One thing I have asked of the Lord, this will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen? You know what I love about this scripture? That a king wrote it. Because if a priest wrote it, then all of us would be, you know, off the hook. <laughs> if we're like, oh, that's the priest. Like they say that. One thing, I, I would like to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You're like, of course they do. They get paid to do that. Right? But this is a king. And, and sometimes we get this view of kings in, in the Old Testament where we're like, man, they had the life. Like this isn't like being the CEO. This is a king who's managing a nation. And in that space he says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I would dwell in the house of God all the days of my life. Why? To get power? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. Isn't this wonderful? 
I'm speaking to all of you who have jobs outside of ministry, and I'm saying the Lord is asking from you today, would you delight in my house? Would you desire to be with me above everything? Amen? <laughs> Actually, I could say that to the ministers too, right? Would you say this with, that we would desire his presence above everything? Amen. Oh, that's my little alarm. It was so quiet. So ding. <laughs> okay, you, uh, here it is. <laughs> I love the Bible. It's so great. Dwell all the days of my life. Gaze upon his beauty. Inquire at his temple. Okay, Mary and Martha. We don't have time to unpack poor Martha who gets the bummest rap. Like, in biblical history, like, everyone's, like, comparing her, like, oh, Martha, you're such a Martha. Like, people use it as, like, a put-down all the time. Like, oh, you're so busy, you're Martha. You know, and Martha's like, hey, I'm in the story one time. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Hello, whose house was it? Martha's house. I'm just saying. Just want to give Martha some props this morning. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Amen. <laughs> I love the honesty of the scriptures. Anyone feel that way? Someone, it looks like no, this one person or the many people are just not doing anything. And we come to the Lord and we're like, do you not care? We're trying to get volunteers for this event. And these people, you know, <laughs> that never happens in a church. Like, there's always volunteers. <laughs> Lord, don't you care? <laughs> Poor Martha. Tell her to help me. She's commanding the Lord, right? <laughs> but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Do, we see that right there. The problem was not with busyness. The problem was not with working. You are anxious and worried about many things, troubled about many things. And then he says this, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word that's coming out of his mouth. The one thing, she's chosen the one thing. Now, out of this one thing comes so many things. Comes a heart of compassion. Comes a heart to serve. Comes an understanding of our own brokenness so that we can sympathize with others. Right? We're so busy sometimes getting people to witness or to evangelize. And they're evangelizing with no knowledge of God. We need more people. No, we need to know Jesus. And then we need to introduce people to Jesus. Amen? Could you imagine going up to someone and being like, you really have to come to this thing. And they're like, what's it about? And you're like, I don't really know. <laughs> you have got to come. Well, what, tell me about this man. Well, I don't really know much about him. Okay. To sit at his feet, to dwell in his house, to gaze upon his beauty, and to inquire in his temple. Amen. So worship this posture of devotion of living with him daily. Amen. I'll just leave you with this last thought and then I'm going to pray. Is that if you guys want to come back up? Again, I, I wish, 
we could all sit down at a table and just ask questions back and forth and exchange Jesus stories with one another. Like when he touched you, when he said this to you, I want to know that. And I want to share with you when he said things to me. Amen. It takes time to know God. Amen. I want to speak to the older generation this morning and say we have a value for you. There's so much being said of the next generation, so much of the church is aimed at, like how many young people can we get in this place? I'm letting you know, older generation, we need you. Do you know what I don't have? 30 years of history with God. Amen. I could be excited, but I don't have 30 years of history. Do you know what young people don't have that I have? 20 years of history with God. We have to start valuing again the time that people have spent with the Lord. Amen? So I want to let you know, older generation, we need you. It's valuable to us. We need fathers and mothers in this day. Like never before. We need fathers and mothers. There's a young generation that thinks they might have everything together and they desperately need moms and dads. This is bonus. This has nothing to do. <laughs> this is just bonus stuff right now. Amen. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the city of Franklin. Lord, that we're here today. That we're here right now in history. Lord, that there's prayers of saints that have gone before us that are like a, this ball rolling down the hill and we're just kind of stepping into the story of Franklin, Tennessee. And we ask, Lord, would you reinvigorate us for your presence, for who you are, Jesus. Would you reveal yourself afresh? Holy Spirit, one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit in the scripture is to reveal Jesus. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you open the scriptures to us in this season afresh that we could see you in a new way? Birth hunger, birth thirst in us for you and for your presence. Lord, we love you. We bless this house. We're grateful for the history here, Jesus. And we just ask, Lord, do what you want to do. Come and have your way in Franklin, Tennessee. In your name, Jesus. Amen.